Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. You know, I'll never forget, it was, it was nearly 40, it was over 40 years ago, I was sitting on my couch as a new believer, and I was reading the scripture where I discovered that God was a heart God. That changed everything about my approach to God, because even though I didn't really understand what the heart was, I realized that everything God does, He does uh, through our heart, in our heart, and to our heart, and that in reality, if what we're experiencing with God, if we're not really experiencing it in our heart, then it's just an intellectual experience. It's just something that we can talk about, we can argue about, we can create doctrines about, but it's not really going to change our life. As a heart God, more than anything else, He's a God of love. As a heart God, He wants a personal, intimate connection with you. He wants to meet you in your heart. And I'm going to tell you something. For five weeks, we're going to be sharing some of the most incredible principles with you about knowing God is a heart God so you can remove all of these invisible boundaries that seem to control and limit your life. God wants you to have limitless living. And when you experience Christ in your heart, all the boundaries are going to be moved. You know, somebody asked me about the heart of my message. The, the real heart of my message, or the root of my message, is the Lordship of Jesus. That is the starting place. And I want you to understand something. Getting born again does not necessarily mean you begin experiencing all that's involved in salvation. Because see, the word salvation has to do with being born again. It's, it's healed, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart. The word salvation encompasses everything that's involved in the life that God offers us. And you see, God offers us this life that's the Greek word is zoe. And that word zoe has to do with the quality of life uh, possessed by the person who gives it. In other words, what God, God's calling us into his family, and he's saying, listen, I'm calling you here because I want you to have this incredible quality of life so that you have, first of all, the emotional freedom to have a relationship with me. You can't have a relationship with your husband, your wife, your kids, or anybody when your life is full of chaos. You know, I mean, you can to some degree. But, but you know something, if everything in your life is working, if you've got peace in your heart, then you have the emotional freedom to really enter into meaningful relationships with everybody in your world. But first and foremost, you have the, the emotional freedom to enter into a relationship with God. Secondly, God wants you to experience the best He has because He wants you to know how much He loves you. Now, I want to tell you something. Here is a great misunderstanding about the Old Covenant. And I think there's probably been times in my life that I had this same misunderstanding. We often think that the Old Covenant was fear-based, but that's really not true. The Old Covenant was not fear-based because if once you get past how you're reading it, you start realizing that God always said, I want you to obey these things from your heart. And he always said, I want you to have the very best that I have because I want you to know how much I love you. So God always wanted man to experience the very best that God had, but he knew that he had to take these words into his heart 
that if he didn't take the words into his heart, then he would, he would attempt to obey these words from an outward performance-based perspective. But God never meant for fear to be the motivation that would drive a person under the old covenant. He always meant that, he always meant that we would perceive the love of God and therefore we would trust God. So it's really been about love and faith all along, but that involved the heart. Now see what happens at the new covenant. God did not change at the new covenant. Here's what changed at the new covenant. The Spirit of God comes in you when you get born again and writes all of God's commandments, all of God's laws on your heart. So now inside you, You've got the Spirit of God saying, this is God's wisdom. This is God's way. This is the path. And the truth is, if we're committed to love, the Bible tells us that, that we would do everything that the law says to do simply because we loved each other. So if, we've, if we're fully committed to love and we've got all of this written on our heart, then it's going to emerge from the inside of us and we're going to experience God's grace, God's power, God's capacity to do this. Whereas in the Old Testament, they didn't, number one, it wasn't written on their hearts. Number two, they didn't experience grace because the Spirit of God didn't live in them. But, the, but nothing has changed as far as who God is and how God is always meant for us to live. God has always meant for us to know Him in our heart, to obey His Word from our heart, not from external performance. And His Word has always been the wisdom the divine prescription to show us how to live life at its best. Do you realize that the Word of God shows you how to have civil order? Do you realize it shows you how to, have a, how to have an economy that will never falter? It shows you how to treat your, your, your wife, your kids, your parents. It shows you how to have justice. It tells rulers how to rule. And all of this is still just as true as it ever was. But it only really works when love is the driving factor. The moment you turn this into something I'm going to do to earn something from God, it gets really, really corrupt. But that's not where we want to go. We've talked a lot about faith righteousness. We've talked a lot about the, about the law and grace and how they work together. But here's what we've got to understand now. We've got to come to understand the role that the heart plays in this journey that we're making with God. Now, listen, 41 years ago, really pretty close to, to this time of the year, I was a new believer. And I was reading the Bible, and there's a, there's a reason I was reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible because I had crazy religious relatives. And I'm telling you, I had heard more crazy stuff about God than you can imagine. I mean bizarre things about God. You just can't even imagine how bizarre. And so when I gave my life to Jesus, my salvation prayer was something like this, God, I'll give you my life if, you, if you'll take it. I said, but here's the deal. I'm never going to play church. I'm not going to play those games that people play. Now, see, I didn't really know what I was, I didn't have the right terminology. I didn't know what I was saying because I didn't have the terminology to say it, but I know what I meant. Oh, see, I meant from the beginning, this is going to be a heart thing. This is going to be real from the inside or it's going to be nothing. This is not going to be a church game where I go jump through a bunch of hoops, play, you know, follow a bunch of rules and, and act religious. I just, I, I wasn't interested in that. And then the second thing that, that I said was, I am not going to believe anything about you that anyone has ever said to me. And I'll never believe anything about you unless I see it in the Bible for myself. And so I said, get me a Bible. 
and help me understand it. And I promise you I'll believe whatever I find in the Bible. So, I mean, I, there was a little bit more to my salvation, Brady. I mean, I told him, I said, I understand this got something to do with Jesus, and I don't really know what that means. And, you know, there were, there were other factors. But I want to tell you something. When I came to Jesus that day, I had a baptism in the love of God. I was overwhelmed. I can't, I can't even put into words what I experienced because it wasn't just emotion, an emotional experience. It was something beyond anything I'd ever known that I knew and was sure and alive to the love of God. First time in my life ever that I was really alive to the love of God. Maybe the first time in my life I was ever actually alive to being loved and to feeling loved. So I go home and I start reading the Bible. Man, I'm, I had a little, actually I had a little uh, uh, Gideon's, my very first Bible was a Gideon's New Testament that they give out in the fifth grade that somehow had survived all of these years of, of corruption and, and moving. And, and, you know, I moved 13 times in one year, you know, when I was a musician. I mean, I just move and, and live somewhere and play, a, play in a club for a little while and, and then that gig would be over and I'd pack up and move again. Every time I'd move, I'd throw stuff away. Somehow, somehow, this fifth grade Gideon's New Testament survived. And I sat down and started reading that thing. And I'm telling you, every time I'd come up on something, it'd say it, that you had to believe it. I'd just get down on my knees and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to believe this. You said believe it. I'm going to believe it. Sometimes I'd come up on things that it didn't say to believe it, but I realized I needed to. And I'd realize I didn't like it. And sometimes my prayer would be like, God, I don't even like this. I, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't get this. I don't see why you do it this way. But you know what? I said I'd believe whatever you say. So here I am, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe it. But you got to help me. You got to make this real to me because I, I'm not just going to play this game. And so I was always seeking God to make this real to me. I was always, I, I wanted this real on the inside. So I'll never forget one night when I finally started reading through the Old, Old Testament. I want you to realize I had read through the New Testament probably twice before I ever set foot in a church. And so I was not ignorant of the Bible, didn't understand it, but I was not ignorant of the Bible. Uh, I had some working knowledge of the Bible by the time I started going to church. And I was starting to read through the Old Testament, and uh, I had come to the book of 1 Samuel, and I was reading this story about, about where God was sending the prophet Samuel to anoint David to be king over Israel. And if, you, if you're familiar with the story in 1 Samuel 16, uh, Samuel the prophet goes there, and he, and he asked Jesse to bring all of his sons out before him. And so Jesse brings all of his sons but one. And now the reason he didn't bring this one son, because this one son outwardly didn't look like somebody that should be king. I don't really uh, know all the factors, but evidently he wasn't as big. He wasn't as strong and maybe not even as handsome as these other sons uh, of Jesse. And so Jesse just left him out tending the sheep. And so, so he lines up all of his sons before the prophet Samuel. And Samuel, I guess, is walking up and down in front of these guys. And, and, and he's about ready to zero in on who he should anoint as king. He's, he's, he's thinking he's got the mind of the Lord on this thing. And then God spoke to him. And here's what he said, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Listen to this. I love this. I'll tell you, I read this. I can, I can feel right now what I felt that night 41 years ago when I read this scripture. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. Now, here's the important part. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, I'm telling you, there was an explosion. Now, 
the rest of the story is Samuel says, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Do you, have you got all of your sons here? And Jesse's like, well, I got this other one, but he's, he's ruddy. I think the King James says, I don't, maybe that's Hebrew for cruddy. I don't know. And basically he says, no, you know, I got one more, but you're not interested in him. Samuel says, well, go get him. And they bring him up there. And that's the one that God wants. That's the man that turns out to be the person who's after God's own heart. That even though he had problems, even though he struggled, even though he made mistakes, the thing was his heart was after God's heart. You know, David becomes king. David had failures in his life that most people would never recover from. David had failures in his life that haunted him and caused him to have persecution and rejection and criticism all the days of his life. But you know something? Why did he make it? Why why didn't God remove him from being king like he removed Saul from being king? I'll tell you why. Because the difference was not in their behavior. The difference was what was in their heart. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Boy, that is so phenomenal. I tell you, I remember sitting there that night thinking, God, I, I, I don't know what the heart is. I mean, I sort of know. I mean, you know, you know we, all, we, we all have some kind of concept of what the heart is. I don't know what the heart is, but I'll tell you this. I want to understand the heart because if you look on the heart, then I realize that it's not real just because it's happening out here in my behavior. It's not real just because it looks real on the outside. Uh, something is only real if it's real in the deepest part of who I am. I said, you know, I'm going to give my life to understanding the heart. I'm going to give my life to, to this because if this, is where, if this is where it all happens, and this, if this is what's real, then this is where I want to know you from. Well, I'll tell you something. I, I've, I've spent 41 years since then making this journey of the heart, and I realized that this is where I started realizing how many times, even in the Old Covenant, God said, God said, Keep these, keep these words in your heart. Don't just, don't just, don't just keep these words outwardly. Don't just, don't just read these words. Don't just, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 don't just memorize them. Keep them in your heart. You know what? In Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty-one, I, and I read this scripture all the time, and, it, and it's talking about the word of God, and it's talking about guarding your heart. It says something real interesting, it, and he's talking about his word, and it's talking about. It says, "Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart." It says, for they are life to those who find them and the health to all their flesh. Now, what do you mean life to all them that find them? Where do they find them? In the Bible? No. They're life to those who find them in, in their own heart. You see, the reality of it is, it doesn't matter how much scripture you know in your head. What's going to change your life is the scripture that's in your heart. Now, we're going to talk about aspects of the heart that honestly are going to be deeper and more profound than we can go to in, this, in, in these programs. And that's why I've got this follow-up material for you. That's why I've got a, a series, a special series for you and got a book for you. But I want to give you as much as I can that will help you right now. You see, the heart is the real you. And it's absolutely essential that you realize that. And not only is the heart the real you, but the heart is where God wants to meet you and connect with you. You see, under the new covenant, we have an interesting phenomenon that that no people in the world had ever experienced until after the resurrection of Jesus. You see, prior to the resurrection of Jesus, if you wanted to know the will of God for your life, now you can go read the Bible, you know, and, and, 
and, and they would read the first five books of the Bible, particularly to understand how to manage their life. But that didn't necessarily tell you, how do I apply that to my life now? How do I, you know, how do I face this hardship I'm facing right now? How do I take your word and, and, and you know, bring it to the real world? So people didn't have that opportunity to have God speak to them personally. So if they wanted to hear from God, you know, they'd have to go seek out a prophet. And, you know, occasionally the Spirit of God would come on a prophet, a priest, a king, or occasionally would come on someone with an anointing. Now, the whole concept of anointing that, that we talk about today is not new covenant, it's old covenant. The idea of the Holy Spirit coming on you and giving you a special message and leaving, that's, that's what the anointing is. The Holy Spirit in the new covenant doesn't come on us and then leave. He doesn't just come on us. He comes in us and he lives in us forever. But see, under the old covenant, the believers didn't have that experience. So when they wanted a word from God, somebody else, a prophet, a priest, a king, or an anointed person, somebody else would hear from God and bring that word to that person. Now, just imagine you're facing some radical life situation and and, and you need to make a, a decision that's going to alter the course of your life. And you're like, I need to hear from you, God. And so somebody comes to you and brings you a prophecy. You stop and think. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you witnessing whether or not that prophecy is true or correct. You didn't hear that prophecy in your own heart or with your own ears. Somebody else brought it to you. Can you imagine how hard it would be to trust the word of God that came to you from somebody else with no internal witness, without the grace of God to help you help you walk in it, obey it, and, and move in that direction. Can you imagine? See, this, this helps us understand why the people in the Old Testament failed so many times. We think that it was a great thing to have prophets of old come to you. No, it wasn't. That was somebody else hearing God for you. Under the New Covenant, something happens that was just unheard of. You see, you see in, the, in the Old Covenant, once a year, the high priest would go into what's called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was, in, was inside the tabernacle. And so he'd go inside the tabernacle, which eventually became the temple, and he would go into uh, the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was the innermost place in, in the tabernacle. And in that place was a seat called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat sat on top of uh, basically... Uh, the, the, a golden box that had that had the law in it, and that had Aaron's rod that budded in it, and had 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 bread in it, and, and so all of that represents the heart. Because you see, in the new covenant, all of the law is written on your heart. All of God's truth is written on your heart, and the mercy seat represents how we approach God in our heart. Because in our heart, He's not sitting on a judgment seat; He's sitting on a mercy seat. And so we can always come and know that we're going to experience mercy. We're going to experience two things. We're going to experience grace, and we're going to experience mercy. You see, because of mercy, we know that when we connect with God in our own heart, we know that we're not going to be rejected. There's not going to be fear. We're not going to get judgment. We're not going to get wrath. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to get better than we deserve. But then we know that because we're going to experience grace, we're going to be empowered to be able to implement whatever he speaks to us, whatever he shows to us. So as a new believer, when I enter into my heart, I enter into the Holy of Holies. And in that place, I'm going to meet with God because the Bible tells us that 
that in the new covenant, it says that it says you're going to get a new spirit and a new heart. He says, I'm going to write my laws on your heart and on your mind. Now, that word for mind in the Greek is not the word mind like the intellectual mind. It's not talking about the mind as we know it. That, that, word, for, that word is the deep thoughts, and that's the deep thoughts that emerge from your heart. Um, some people understand that as the subconscious mind. So he's saying, I'm going to write all of my law, all of my commandments. And, and, and you know, the original language, this means this is, this is beyond just God's literal individual commandments. This is all the principles and logic of these commandments as well. So, so, so God's putting all of his wisdom and logic and reasoning. He's, he's writing that on our heart. And he says, I'm also going to write on these deep thoughts that emerge from your heart. So, so there's always going to be my word emerging from your heart to take you into the application of the truth. And because I sit on a mercy seat, I'm not, I'm not going to judge you when you fail. And because you can always find grace and mercy, I promise you I'm going to empower you with grace to be able to apply that word, that truth that's emerging from your heart. Now, and he says, neither shall any man teach his neighbor, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. That word know is a really interesting word because that word know is related to the ability to experience something with every aspect of your being, every organ in your body, every sensory capacity that you have. So the good news is every individual now has the opportunity to know and experience God for themselves. That's the good news. The bad news is this. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can hear from God for you. Nobody else can cause you to know God. Nobody else can cause you to experience God. Nobody can bring you God from the outside. God says, from this day forward, I will meet you in the new tabernacle, which is your being, your body, yourself, and I will meet you in the holy of holies, which is your heart. And just like, just, just like the tabernacle of old, the Ten Commandments were in there. All the law is now written on your heart. It's there. You don't have to go get it and find it and understand it, you know, uh, uh, to, for it to be there. It's, it's just going to be there for you. All of that's there. Uh, the the uh, rod of Aaron, the bread, all of these things that represent the Holy Spirit, that represent mercy and grace, all of these things are there. And he says, that's where I meet you. Well, I want you to understand something. That also means I'm really not going to meet you anywhere else. In other words, the only way you can connect with me now is to connect with me in, in your own heart. I want to tell you something. The great struggle that we have is Christianity has become almost completely intellectual. And intellectualism is not bad, but if your life is driven by your mind, your intellectual mind, then the Bible says you are carnal. 21st century Christianity is pretty much carnal. It's all about gathering enough information. Well, I want to tell you something. Information does not empower you. Information doesn't give you wisdom for applying your, the Word of God to your life. Information will make you haughty. It'll make you puffed up. It'll make you full of ego, but it will not build you up. Nobody's life ever changed just because they had the right information. But God says, I want to meet you in your heart and I'm not only going to show you the word, the truth, but I'm going to show you the wisdom 
of how to apply that truth in your life. So I want you to know today and over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about how to connect with God in your heart, how to be empowered so that you can live the life. You won't move these limitations, go into limitless living by moving these boundaries that are, that are holding you in. Don't go away. In a few minutes, I'm going to be back with a mentoring moment where I'm going to share something incredibly important with you as I do every week, because I want you to know what's important about this message and how to apply it to your life. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this series on moving your invisible boundaries. This may be one of the most important series you ever listened to in your life. If you put these things into practice, remember God is a heart God. Everything he does, he does in and through our heart. When he wants to lead us, he speaks to our heart. When he wants to protect us, he speaks to our heart. When he wants to empower us, he does it through our heart. So this series and all the tools that come with it are designed not just to give you a bunch of sermons and information, but to take you step by step to learning to establish your heart in God's truth so you will recognize his voice, so you will trust his voice when you're in time of need. Now, look, if you're interested in going deeper in God while developing your faith and developing your heart, I have created some tools to help you dive into this right now. As a matter of fact, we have put together three different bundles so that you can get whatever combination of tools and resources you want at the very best possible price that you can get. And we've got my book, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which is an incredible book. It is the book that you want to go to to understand all the biblical principles of the heart and how they work. Number two, we got the audio series, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which is not the same as the book. It's not the same as the video, just to take you deeper and deeper in these things. And we've got my brand new, just released book, Establishing Your Heart, No More Boundaries. Now, these are tools that you can utilize. And I'm telling you, you can begin to put these things into practice tonight. Your life will be better by tomorrow. And plus, every time you invest in yourself by making any of these purchases, you invest in the kingdom of God because we use these resources to reach to the ends of the earth to raise up one billion disciples to the Lordship of Jesus. Be sure and click on the link, check out Moving Visible Boundaries, Establishing Your Heart, and use these tools and change your world. You know, it's really important that you make some decisions today. Because the rest of this session and the rest of your life depends on your ability to connect with God in your heart. So I want to encourage you to do the very thing that I did when I first gave my life to Jesus. And honestly, I repray that prayer a lot. You see, I want to know you in my heart. That, that, that needs to be your prayer. Father, I want to know you in my heart. I want everything that I do to come from a heart that's filled with faith, filled with love, and filled with peace. So I'm deciding today to make this journey from the heart, and I'm going to trust you to teach me and to lead me and to help me. Listen, this is going to be so exciting, so different, so refreshing, and so new that you're just not going to believe how good your walk with God is going to be. I want to encourage you to be sure, get the series that comes with this, my new book that we're releasing, but also be sure and go to my website, impactministries.com, and click on the magazine link there so you'll get our magazine and get information 
and we want to train you and develop you so that you can make this journey from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.